Welcome to Freaks and Creeks, a Dawson's Creek podcast, the show where four millennials who missed the boat 25 years ago take the dive for the first time. Join us as we experience the series with a fresh perspective week to week and see if our adolescent experiences match up with Dawson and the gang. My name is Cody. I'm Stella. I'm Mallory. And I am James. And this week we are talking about season two, episode five, Full Moon Rising. But before we do that, Stella. Yes, we have some Capeside correspondence. Thank you so much for everyone who keeps on writing us. We love getting your emails and messages. Um, This last week we got an email from Julia saying, I was thinking back on episode two when Andy gives Pacey the magic eight ball. She tells him she had it in her car. She was going to give it to her brother for Christmas, but she kind of forgot about it. Now that it is revealed that Andy's brother Tim has died, it makes so much more sense to me. I think she must have been meaning to give it to Tim, but forgot about it when he died. I would love to hear your thoughts on this. It just made me incredibly sad when I realized this for the first time after multiple rewatches. Yeah, yeah, pretty wild. I think that's a great detail. So first of all, great catch, Julia, because I kind of forgot about it. I thought there was just a cute interaction, but now we know that there's more to it than just being a cute detail. Yeah, I mean, this really feels like a piece of nuance that I would not reserve for Dawson's Creek and feels more like something you would see in like a more prestigious drama that they would actually be setting the seeds mm-hmm. uh, for important character beats like this uh, throughout a series. So it's cool. It's really cool seeing that they're actually thinking things through when sometimes, uh, such as this episode, it does not feel <laughs> like they're uh, thinking things through. No. no, It makes me wonder if there were maybe a few more things that they had that maybe they cut or things that just are... You know, we don't notice, but that are connected to Tim. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I really hope that that is the explanation behind it and that that wasn't the, the brother that Andy was talking about wasn't Jack. This is just going to be a gift for Jack. Yeah. Like, he really likes his magic eight ball. He has a hard time <laughs> making this decisions, so he needs this. Um, I really like this read that it's, that it's Tim's instead. And I think it's um, shows, you know, with what we now know about him and his passing that nobody has quite processed his passing. Um, yeah, deep. I think that's a deep one. I also want to thank Julia for titling that email, mm-hmm. uh, season two, episode five spoilers. Thank you so much for that. That makes a big difference when we can see, uh, when we can see right up front that there are some spoilers to be contained within an episode. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And even to that, if writers, you want to write in and tell us something about something that doesn't happen until season six, do it because then it makes us look forward to something. And we could maybe print it out if anyone we know owns a printer and then we could <laughs> put it in a box and bury it in one of our backyards <laughs> and put a little tombstone that says, do not dig up until season six, which will probably be um, at least 12 or 13 years from now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to be in my mid fifties as we're finishing <laughs> Dawson's Creek and talking about those glory days 40 years ago yeah, when we were 15. <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking about something similar actually. They, cause the HBO just announced that they're doing that Harry Potter TV show and they're adapting all the books and they said it's going to be a 10 year plan. And oh. it just, it just makes me physically ill because I am like a, a Harry Potter fan, not a JK Rowling fan. She's a turf piece of shit, but just thinking that like, okay, so let's just, let's just say the show premieres in two years from now. That means that I'll be in my late forties when Harry Potter, the TV show ends. I can't imagine being almost 50 years wow. old and being like, 
oh, wow, the Voldemort CGI looks <laughs> terrible. <laughs> and I'll be talking about that probably during our Dawson's Creek <laughs> Freaks and Creeks wrap-up episode. Oh, gosh. oh man. I love that. <laughs> and just a quick Freaks and Creeks show update. <laughs> That's supposed to be the newscaster thing with a thing in the 1950s when they'd be. Oh, I thought that was just a rapid fire rap air horn. Oh, like an air horn? Yeah, me too. Well, they should yeah. bring it back and make it the air horn because it's a piece of pop culture. Uh, like it's in our lexicon now. So, um, so let's do, let's do it again and pretend that we're uh, in uh, hip hop news with an air horn instead of the thing. So, and just a quick Freaks and Creeks show update. We will. Uh, what that is on anything like an air horn <laughs> yeah that's a circus okay so now uh okay this we're gonna right. do it one more time and it's gonna be an air horn and a circus okay ready and go and just a quick freaks and creeks show update <laughs> and scene everyone that was perfect we will be taking a short two-month recording hiatus because of personal things but do not fear we will be back in the middle of the summer july 2023 Coming this coming summer, summer 2023. <laughs> coming in July 2023. Yeah. Thanks everybody for your patience. We appreciate the flexibility. Life. We're all going to prison. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Just a short two month stint though. So we'll be back soon. And I think we can watch the entire show while we're in prison together for two months. If they let us. Hopefully we get our TV. Well, I mean, Cody, you don't have your movie card, so that might be a, a, a knock against us, unfortunately. Let's hope I go to a different prison. <laughs> All right, so I think it is time for us to start talking about Season 2, Episode 5, Full Moon Rising. This episode was released on November 4th, 1998. And Mal, I think you have something interesting about that, do you Yes, indeed. Fun fact, November 4th, 1998 was the day of the full moon of the month of November in 1998. So this episode (laughs) was released on the full moon which means they planned this. Yeah, they must have, right? <laughs> right? I mean, if they didn't, it's that would a, be wild. a weird coincidence. <laughs> yeah. That'd be pretty but cool. I feel like that would re- require so much planning. Yeah. yeah. Right? Usually they, I think, I don't know when, like, whoever knows when the full moons are for the year, like, how well, far in Ms. advance Cleo. you know. <laughs> like, how far in advance is that, you know, they, there's some yeah. sort of, like, uh, science yeah. to that. So, yeah. you know, yeah, they, they planned it, I guess interesting it's well, very specific yeah, i know I, I, I we have to pa- do a full moon episode right i know it's so, that's why i was like okay we don't get like a, a themed halloween week episode but we get the full moon episode mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> yeah what well, i so funny i think this was their halloween episode yeah kind of because yeah. it's as we'll close get into um yeah it's one yeah. that's very close to halloween but also it's kind of spooky the whole time it feels spooky mm-hmm. to me does it feel did it feel spooky to anybody else? a little bit when it first Eerie. when the first episode when the first when it first started the scene uh i was like oh this will be the halloween episode right. because it was kind of like a spooky beginning mm-hmm. um and then it just got weird so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I have a this Justin Bolton. Can I get those uh, circus air horns going again? <laughs> this Justin, this Justin, everybody. Uh, I googled how far can you predict moon phases. The answer is the motion of the moon is known with great accuracy, and so the exact moment of a new moon, the moment that the sun and moon have the same longitude in the sky, can be calculated with great accuracy for tens of thousands of years into Whoa. the future. So, so there you go. They knew. <laughs> they knew. <laughs> they didn't need to consult Miss Cleo. That's what you're telling yeah. me. Unfortunately, yeah. Dang it. She needs help. 
Yes, she does. Well, anyway, that was really cool. I, I love that. I think that's so cool that the full moon both lines up with the episode and the real life calendar. I wonder if that was uh, when the moment in time when our world and Dawson's Creek world overlapped just for that one day. And guys, they, should we cancel this and record during the next full moon <gasps> instead? Nah! And then we have to also line it up with the release being on a full moon. Oh, yeah. oh my God. Yeah, Jesus. I don't even want to think about that. Sounds too hard. Well, back in Capeside, this episode was titled Full Moon Rising like we talked about. In this episode, Dawson confronts his parents about their marriage while Pacey stumbles onto an unsettling truth about Andy. Ooh. Yeah. Um, this episode was written by Dana Barada, longtime friend, Love you, Dana. Um, and directed by David Semmel. What's up, bro? We miss you. Please come back on our show. Everybody remembers that episode when David Semmel was on the episode, right? Absolutely. You yeah. couldn't get that guy to shut the hell up. I know. It was crazy. We actually had to, you know, it's only been ghost released. Um, so subscribe to our Patreon to listen to it. Um, yeah, this episode was awesome. I really, really liked it. I think I might be the only one, but that's for me to know and for you all to find out. I mean, for me, I would say just like Hurricane, was this the most entertaining episode of season two? <laughs> yes. By a mile. Was it one of the better episodes of season two? Not by a mile. <laughs> ah, this is a strange one. Unintentionally great. This is, is now where the roles will be reversed, Cody. And it is my job by the end of this episode to convince <laughs> you that this was a fantastic episode of Dawson's Creek and you should love it. Just like you did to me last time when you tried to convince me that loving an underage boy is okay. Quid pro quo. <laughs> Anybody have some top level thoughts before we get into our first act? Before we get into it, just a forewarning for anyone that hasn't actually watched, we wanted to mention a content warning since this episode deals with the subject matter of sexual assault. So please feel free to skip to ensure your own health, safety, and well-being if needed. And with that, our episode begins with Dawson and Joey basking in the full moonlight on Dawson's roof. Dawson is enraptured by its romanticism, while Joey is put off by the vibe that weird things happen during the full moon. And she is certainly correct. The next day, somewhere downtown, Mitch and Tamara are still discussing the big real estate sale, with Tamara reiterating that she can't get out of Cape Side fast enough. Meanwhile, across the street, Jen agrees to take older fisherman creep Vincent around town that night. <laughs> and later at a boutique, Abby finds Jen to tell her that they should just move fast their previous episode boy drama. That is, until Jen spills the beans that she's going on a date with Vincent. Their argument takes them outside. And after Abby hits Jen with a slut-shaming low blow, Jen literally hits her with a slap, saying she never wants to talk to her again. Wow. And at the video store, Andy <laughs> agrees to go on a date with Pacey, but starts acting very peculiar when the topic of picking her up from her house is brought up. Hmm. And later at the Leary household, <laughs> Dawson and Joy are studying while Gail preps dinner as Mitch walks in. Gail reveals that she's having a male named Gary over for dinner that night for a work-related thing, prompting Mitch to get angry that it's not happening on a Thursday, wink, wink, as per their spoken <laughs> extramarital affair agreement. Gail hits him with basically a you're unemployed, shut up, low blow, <laughs> which gets him steamed. Joey and Dawson leave the room, and when Dawson later tries to ask his dad what's up, Mitch blows him off. You reading this description just makes me wish I could watch this episode for the first time yeah. over and over again. 
it is, uh, as the Gen Zers would say, unhinged. It's wild. I loved it. I loved every moment of this first act. Yeah, I also thoroughly enjoyed it. Cody and I watched it together and I feel like we paused multiple times just in the beginning because we were like, wait, what? Like Vince is still here. Tamara is still here. It was just very overwhelming. We thought, I definitely thought, I think Cody did too, that they were going to be gone. Right. Yes. I mean, listening back to our previous episode, I was wrong on everything that I said. I'm like, oh, they, they, they're not going to be able to get past this without all this other stuff going on. Like this is the end of Tamara. Uh, Joey and Dawson are forever changed. And then as soon as this episode started, it was as if none of those events really happened. And this is just like a whole new thing. The only thing that carried over was Vincent. I know. I think we were all kind of convinced that he, I think we even commented, oh, it's so fun. You know, that's the nice thing about these aquatic environments like Cape side, you can have people blow in and out. Mm-hmm. So Vincent will be gone next week, yeah. surely, but no, he's back and he's worse than he also ever. Just kind of showed up out of nowhere in that scene too. Like, oh, yes. like, <laughs> Which I have to say, this is my favorite. One of my favorite things about this episode is that it, the way it starts with this, once we get out of the, you know, that scene in Dawson's bedroom on the roof, and then we get the intro sequence, we then get this, this four scene simulated one take where all of the scenes spur out from this central mm-hmm. Cape side street scene. And I, I just loved it. It made the episode. One of the biggest things that we have commented on with Dawson's Creek is that who fucking knows when any of this shit is actually happening? It's like there's absolutely no indication of time passing or when any of this stuff is sequenced. This felt very clear when all this was happening and the fact that it was all converging at the same time. I just thought it was so cool to see all of our kind of core characters in and around each other, but also separate from each other. I hope they do more of this because um, it, it just felt really, really unique. It sets the place. And so, I mean, like you've said, the the viewer, the audience for the show, they rarely actually know what the fuck is going on, when it's going on, mm. and why it's going on. Right. And now it's like, oh, like we can actually, like if I, the audience member, were placed, uh, if I was uh, Google pinned uh, into Capeside, I would be able to spin around and I could see yes. everything happening around me, which is, uh, I really appreciated it. It's very good. Yes. Yes. We also know that, that's the day of the full moon because the night before Dawson and Joey are on the roof. And then mm-hmm. this must be the next morning where we launch off on this wild day with everyone. Wild day. <laughs> That's the thing too, is uh, I am extremely entertained by this episode. I think it's super fun. Um, but, but like the vibe, the vibe of it is insane. And when, before we even started Dawson's Creek and the only thing we really knew was the, the meme mm-hmm. and it's like, like this is what I wanted this show to be. Like I wanted every episode to be this unhinged. And so when, when I say like, I don't, I didn't love this episode. I only say that because this show is very different proceeding. Like the last week's episode was so (laughs) tonally different than this week's episode. So the tonal whiplash is like, Oh, like if, if this was the vibe that they had been going for the entire time, this would probably be like the best episode. But since it's so different than everything that's come before it, at least since hurricane, I can only assume like this is unintentionally amazing. Right. Like this is so weird, but I love it. I mean, it's so good, but also not good at the same time. I don't know. It's kind of refreshing to see them just go off the rails and just be (laughs) like, let's fucking take this thing as far as we can. Because it seems like they started with two ideas in my mind. They started with the idea of the trope of the full moon makes everybody crazy, which was 
a really common thing in like the 80s and 90s. And I feel like we don't see it as much in the 2020s. Just this like simple trope of like, well, everything's going to go to shit on the full moon. Let's make a TV show about it. Let's make a movie about it. So I think they started there. And then they also started with the every all. I think this episode really is just like everybody's story finally coming back to to pay off, right? Like all the setup that we've seen over the last couple of episodes, we're now seeing the fallout of all of those different things on a full moon of all days. And oh my God, it's so crazy. Definitely. One thing I noticed that might tie into that idea is so on the Cape side street, we see Jen, we see Vincent show up. I want to talk a minute about what Jen was wearing, not actually specifically what she was wearing, but what color she was wearing. Um, So she's wearing all blue blue mesh shirt, long blue skirt. Mm. Um, This is the first of many blues, not Mm -hmm. only on Jen, but on several other characters and objects Mm. that certain characters are interacting with throughout the episode. Um, And I was thinking like at first glance, you think of blue having like a sad meaning, you know, Mm -hmm. but I think this actually might be a symbol of characters being true and loyal to themselves as in like true blue. Blue is loyal. Maybe they're coming to some realizations about themselves. Yeah. Hmm. Well, to that, I have a lot of notes about the moon. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, I, I thought this is rich. This is so good with the, all the blues. This is tying in very well to my thoughts. Okay, so <laughs> the first shot we really see in this episode is the them watching uh, the the werewolf film, yes. the, yes. You know, the transformation. So the were so thinking about a werewolf, um, like okay, so. I would say like the most prominent modern reading of like werewolf mythology is a queer reading. Um, an individual hides their true self and in doing so is forced to unleash their true I- identity because they have been subjected to like keeping it inside, right? So be it if that person is like trans or in closeted. And, you know, we've also talked about Kevin Williamson's queerness as it mm-hmm, relates to the totally. writing of Joey and his personal experiences of that being a queer coded character. But um, I don't know. I guess like beyond that, I don't really know if there are like other characters that have been written explicitly queer. Um, so we can put a pin in that for now, but I hope we can talk about that later if someone ends up being gay or they introduce a gay character, which would be great. Mm-hmm. So however, that theme of hidden identity is rampant in this episode with Jen's continued struggle to find herself and the back and forth of who she was in New York. We have mm. Andy and Jack's family history, Jack's hidden longing for Joey being expressed in a passionate kiss. Dawson and his family struggle to maintain the identity of a nuclear family when Gail's infidelity and Mitch's struggle to accept it has changed, etc., etc. So with the blue, everyone wearing the blue, the true blue, but what is the true blue? And there's blue? specific people that aren't wearing it and are, so I'm yes. going to touch on that like throughout this. But Ooh, yeah. That's really good. And also we have um, just, <laughs> uh, this goes along uh, throughout the entire episode and uh, the, the finishing dialogue uh, with Joey and about the man on the moon or woman in the moon. <laughs> so uh, one, I mean, there's like several different readings of like what the moon, you know, symbolizes, especially the phrase of man in the moon, but one of which is someone that is out of touch with reality. Oh, that the, the man mm. on the moon, they're, you know, they're not on earth anymore. That person is out of touch with reality. Who do we know in this show that is out of touch with reality? We've talked at length about Dawson being out of touch with reality. He, uh, you know, has like this like very singular worldview. Uh, he has his preferences. And if anything, you know, doesn't quote unquote make sense, uh, his brain breaks. So regarding the conversation between Dawson and Joey with Joey explaining that weird things are happening during a full moon and refers to the moon's power of controlling our tides and human beings being make, made up of entire, uh, mostly entirely made up of water. This could insinuate 
that this ongoing theme of the relationship between Dawson and Joey is indirectly with him controlling her because mm. if he is the man in the moon, the one who is um, out of touch with reality, but she is saying the moon controls the tides, then we have this imbalance mm. of power with the relationship. So she is kind of saying, you know, with this, like, oh, like I am under your spell. Totally. And she's kind of criticizing that. And that does kind of, you know, we see the fallout of that within this episode with her and Jack, kind of, right? But there's a key transition at the end of the episode when Dawson tells her to imagine the man in the moon is speaking to her, but she switches it to say the woman in the moon. So now she's out of touch with reality and the one in, in the control seat. So this could possibly equate to being out of touch uh, with her relationship with Dawson now that she's kissed Jack or the fact that she's like knowingly withholding information from Jack is like the way that she can control Dawson. Like she's controlling his tides now. Yeah. And the tide is pull- pulling Dawson off the roof. Yes. Yeah, in that very beginning. Mm. Yeah. End notes on moon. But yes, I thought <laughs> the, the moon symbolism in this was extremely rich. Yeah. That's I could be grasping at straws, but all I know is werewolves are real in Cape side specifically, and <laughs> they're all scared of them. And I am pretty sure that multiple people in this show are now werewolves as well as vampires, as well as test subjects, as well as clones. Um, did anyone notice that Vincent calls Jen Jennifer? I did oh. not notice that. Interesting. Jennifer. Yes. Hmm. He first calls her Jen. And then the second time he says Jennifer. Well, so, I mean, if Grams and him are the only people that call her Jennifer, is that kind of equating them in this like power dynamic thing of two separate people mm. that um, feel as as though they have control over Jennifer in a way? Mm. And what does that say? Yeah. If it's not him, it's Grams. Um, both um, very opposites, obviously, and the in the extremes of how they want to control Jen, but it is still people that are, you know, objectifying her in a way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he's definitely objectifying her. And I think, I I just wonder, I mean, you know, it's hard for me to feel any kind of objective way about Vincent because I can't help but just be like, this guy's a fucking creep. Mm -hmm. Um, Because last episode, he was very um, aware of Abby's age. He called her a teeny bopper and that he wasn't interested in her. And he knows that Jen and Abby are friends and likely around the same age. So by proxy, isn't Jen also a teeny bopper? And instead he pursues her more this episode. So like we were kind of talking about, or like I was complaining about last time we, you know, the show acknowledged, um, you know, statutory rape and, and this, somebody, you know, like how bad it is for somebody who's of legal age to pursue somebody who is not. Um, We also know that Vincent knows Jen is not of legal age. At least he should know that she is not of legal age. If he has any kind of abilities of inference or insight, which you would imagine as we will soon (laughs) come to know about him, he would because he says later he's a law student. So, you know, it's just like, 
why are you here? Why, why did we bring this back aside from this, you know, to continue to, to show Jen being under the influence of other people and potentially set up this, you know, will she make the wrong choice? Big city behavior, uh, uh, subplot. Yeah. And then right after she sees Vincent, we see her in the makeup store putting lipstick on, you know, probably thinking, Oh, like get pretty. uh, Yeah. I need to get pretty, find some new makeup for my date, you know? Yeah. It's late later in the episode when, um, I mean, frankly, when he's going to rape her and he's on top of her and she said like, she's like trying to get him off and she keeps saying no. And he like keeps, you know, brushing it off. But when she says I'm 16, he goes, you're 16. He sounds surprised. And that's when Grams comes in. But if Grams had not come in, like what, what is the continuation of that conversation? Cause he clearly knows that she's a quote unquote teeny bopper. So mm-hmm. like what, why is he even acting surprised? Yeah. I, I kind of want to save my conversation for that when we get to sure. it. But, but yeah, I, I, I think that this scene in, introduces that question. What are you doing here? Why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. I, I almost wonder if it's the writer's room being, I mean, I don't know, like let, let's, okay. So let's imagine we're the writers of Dawson's Creek and we write this really great story about Pacey and his teacher. Right. And like the, like how like spicy that is. And then maybe people start complaining about it and being like, well, this is kind of disgusting. Why would you try to normalize this in your show just to make it look like, you know, like a spicy affair. And they're like, Oh, like you don't like it. So is this what you want to see? Would you rather see this? <laughs> like, it almost seems like, it, like, Oh, like, I don't know, like a reactionary kind of way of being like, oh, well, this is, oh, so like, I don't know. Also, maybe like her relationship with Abby, it must have also had something to do with like what, like they were writing, you know, that sort of like tension between them. I don't know why they did. Yeah, I don't know. Why couldn't they have just used a boy in school? But I guess it's because Abby is a, just like she said, which... Why? Why? Abby. She you, did a weird like Jekyll and Hyde thing here at the makeup store. Did you guys notice? Well, that? yeah, like, she suddenly becomes a kleptomaniac yeah. and just can't help but steal <laughs> well, not everything. That, but not only that. She's gaslighting yeah. a, ga- yeah. gaslighting Jen about like, oh, that old thing. Well, I was just kidding. Let's, no, you let's never let a guy come between us. And then like a second later, mm-hmm. she's yeah. like, you, whatever, you know. She's and then pissed. immediately outside of the the story, as we alluded to earlier, Abby says this. I just had I, I capped it because uh, let's just listen. You might want to stop and pick up some condoms. You're in the big leagues now, babe. I mean, that guy probably has illegitimate kids scattered all up and down the eastern seaboard. Shut up, Abby. Bro, you you said that last episode. You said that exact yeah. same yeah. thing. Yeah. What like? Did she, is she ad-libbing and she forgot the actress herself is ad-libbing and she brought that line back thinking like, oh, this will be a cool callback. Or did the writers put that mm-hmm. in? Because it's just lazy and also that's what you liked about him last right, time? Yeah, because yeah. Yeah. when she was talking about it before, it was like, I want someone who has a little illegitimate yeah. children all over. So yeah, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it makes sense. There's no way that they, I mean, when you're in a writer's room like this, like it's t- 24 hours a day, like you're like in it, right? Mm-hmm. So I feel like the only, the only thing I can possibly imagine imagine is uh i mean we've talked at length about how like the things that we don't like about ourselves are the things that annoy us right. the most in other people so i wonder if abby like recognizes how toxic it is that she does chase after like older men and she like thinks it's exciting to put herself in dangerous situations so when she sees someone else get that attention she just projects it at them to be mm-hmm. like oh well this is what you like you right. piece of shit so abby is wearing blue in this in this scene 
She's mm. wearing a blue striped shirt. At, and then also Jenna's wearing, still wearing that full blue outfit. So Interesting. So Abby is revealing her true colors as a gaslighter manipulator. Yes. Yeah, I can see it. Interesting. Yeah, and it, it was weird to me that Abby comes in being like, you're not still mad at me, are you? Yeah. When, yeah. Like Abby was mad at her right. previously. Right. Very confusing. Abby just doesn't, Abby doesn't know what Abby wants. Aside from that big hairy man who's got BO and illegitimate, illegitimate children spread out across the country. How about that slop though? Ooh, so satisfying. Violence is never the answer. Got to say that, but <laughs> ooh, love that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was out of nowhere. Woo. Um, separately, um, I did like that we were back at the video store um, yes. it was like one of those other things, kind of like the kelp where it was like, Oh, they didn't forget about this. Pacey still works there. This is still a place in Cape side. Um, <laughs> did you enjoy Pacey's moon pie shirt? Yes. 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 Yeah. That, I couldn't believe he was just casually watching porn at work. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was, yeah. I lo- <laughs> their dialogue here was funny. Yeah. Let's listen to these titles that Pacey has. You ever notice how the most interesting part of a porn movie is the title? I mean, think about it. You got Sperminator, Romancing the Bone, Little Oral Annie. I don't know why they bother being clever. I mean, they're all the same. They should all have the same title. Women, PC will never do. Oh, ouch. I love those porn titles. The Sperminator <laughs> is amazing. Little Oral Annie. <laughs> yeah. I love that one. That's fantastic. I also love this idea that that people only watch porn because they're like, yeah, I can have sex with that person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that person, I could totally fuck them. I'm just, I'm like, it's research. I'm studying how to do it with them later. I mean, I like Pacey now, but I can imagine season one Pacey being like, yeah, I could probably get with you. Yeah. Yeah. I just love how this is is the conversation. uh, This conversation about porn turned into Pacey asking Andy out. Yes. (laughs) That was hilarious. Um, Also, Andy is wearing one of two blue outfits she wears in this Mm. episode, Mm. in this scene. Interesting. Yes. I'm wondering if anyone like had any uh, suspicions or predictions of like what was going to happen, like why Andy was being weird about. I immediately knew something was up with her parents or her family. My initial, actually my initial assumption was that she was ashamed because they lived in a trailer. That's what I I really thought. But then the more it kind of went on, I was like, maybe there's weird family stuff. I didn't Mm -hmm. think it was necessarily to the degree that it was, but I had, and I had just an, 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 inkling that there was going to be some weird family thing. Yeah, I really thought it was going to be more about the wealth. Yep. They've really set that up. she didn't yeah. want him to pick her up there. And right. It was but kind of like changing your mind, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that though. I thought it was it was a perfect like way of doing that like lost in translation miscommunication thing because so often when shows do this like oh I'll pick you up at seven at your place no let's do it at my place uh, or no let's do it at this other place um I'd rather you know they just like don't land the the miscommunication how the wires got crossed mm-hmm. I thought they landed mm-hmm. how the wires got crossed here and really set it up in a believable way Definitely. that I really enjoyed yeah I, it was super believable for Pacey because it, he was he was like no I'm gonna like take yeah. initiative like that was where he was coming from and he did a great job at like that you know expressing that yeah it was cute it was really cute moving on to the um the the conversation that that mitch and gail are having having in the kitchen of Mm -hmm. over joey and dawson's (laughs) head okay so like how do they not i'm I'm speaking specifically about male and gitch 
you know, Mail and Gitch. Yes. Uh, I'm sp- speaking specifically about Mitch and Gail. How do they not think that Dawson is going to be either affected or pick up on something when this is what's happening at the kitchen table? It's work, Mitch. It's work. You know, somehow, the fact that he's a co-worker doesn't provide me much comfort. I wonder why. At least I have co-workers. Ooh. Meaning? Meaning I work, therefore I have co-workers. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can do better than that. So first and foremost, what the fuck? Like this is the most <laughs> toxic home life yeah. situation. Dawson's life has really like, whew, it's, cha- it's chaotic. But secondly, I love that they end that with Joey being like, okay, I got to go to work. And Dawson's like, oh, okay, I'll come along too. Like father, like son, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In this situation, Joey is the only person employed, just like Gail is employed. And Dawson is the artist who's a dreamer who can't oh. get anything done or sold. He's working on his movies. He's trying to become a, a, a cinematographer. Um, and he's just clinging on for dear life to Joey. Also, Joey is created, is forming a relationship at work. Yes, she is. Mm. Ooh. With her co-anchor. <laughs> um, <laughs> Gail and Mitch both wearing blue in this scene. Ah, so much blue. Uh, yeah, it was too much to not like, be like, this is, this is intentional. Very intentional. <laughs> That's like, I mean, I hadn't really put together that, you know, they're, they're mirroring each other. Apple does not far, fall, far, 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 Apple does not falafel from the tree. Apple does not far quad from the tree. Um, I just want, I just wish at this point, it almost seems like Dawson is dead and we're in a sixth sense situation. <laughs> Did he actually fall off that roof? And then we're like, yeah, yeah because yeah, everyone's just fucking ignoring him. Like, yes, he doesn't exist. Even later when he's like trying to get them to like talk in the room, they're just like, Oh, Dawson, what do you want? Like, it's your fucking son. Yeah. And he yeah. looks upset. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He does not exist in this family. I, I, I mean, like, Again, like I love these character beats. I love where they're getting at, but I just like hate how clunky it feels mm-hmm. to get them mm-hmm. where they need to get. Like, why would they? Like, they wouldn't talk like that in front of Dawson and Joey, no. especially Joey. Like, yeah. if you yeah. had a guest over, you no don't want to fucking talk. No, like that. no, but at the same time, we can't really penalize this show for not f- being real because none of this show is real. And uh-huh. and I think at this at the same time, like it's shitty that they're shoehorning it in but at the same time as that it's amazing that we're actually getting some consequences for this because we've been like how the fuck are they going to have an open relationship with a 15 year old boy and just like pretend none of this is happening how are we just going to continue this idea that Dawson is not going to pick up on this especially if like Mitch keeps they I mean both Gail and Mitch keep bringing it up Thursday night yeah like that sounds like a a Thursday night activity babe (laughs) (laughs) hey babe you're really skinning that sausage that sounds like a Thursday night activity babe (laughs) Um, so I felt a little bit unsure if if this was like Gail was thinking of it as a date or if it was just work. I don't think she don't was. Think, yeah, no, I don't think so. That I was, think Mitch uh, he picked that fight for yes. sure. Yeah. Like, that, that was, was not, my that was yeah. my initial thought. But then later, I don't know. It's like why would she do it at her house? Like that does seem weird. Like why not just Maybe. go out somewhere? She seems kind of dressed up. It seems like I have a guess. Okay, because she thought it would make Mitch feel better if she wasn't out with. Mm. Someone yeah. not on a Thursday night, or I don't know. Uh, like she, she thought yeah. the opposite. It would be like, oh, like if if Mitch can sees see us, yeah, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. I like that idea. That's a good. Possibly. That's a good suggestion, know. at the very least. Yeah, because I definitely thought when she brought it up, it seemed like. Yeah, I'm not trying to go behind your back. I'm just telling you so that you know. Yep. And then Mitch is like, that's a Thursday night activity. Uh, well, what if it's not though? What mm-hmm. if it's actually yep. what I said it is and it's just right. a work thing? Yeah. And this is where it's kind of like, 
I find it very satisfying because this whole thing is a, is a, is Mitch's creation coming home to bite him in the ass, right? He set up this whole situation way back when he talked to Blade or J J Max. What's his name? Uh, TJ Maxx. <laughs> yeah, when he talked to Cole yeah. and Cole's like, yeah, you just need to open it up, brother. Brother, look, my man, brother boy. What you need is some trust in here. Um, so yeah, I just I just love it because not only th- we're now seeing that even more externalized as he's like, this can only be one thing, you cheating on me because I brought up this idea. But I also love that we're seeing not only that like their relationship being the thing that is bubbling up, but also what we've been wondering, how, what does Mitch do all day? Mm-hmm. What, how mm-hmm. is the kelp doing now? We're seeing it's actually causing some tension. There is some friction between him and Gail over this. And yeah, maybe this is the first time it's bubbling up or maybe it's not. Maybe that's been going on for a while, but we're seeing it finally be articulated by Gail. Yeah. I work. Therefore, I have coworkers, you lazy fuck. Like, that's a, basically what she's saying. Yeah. Ooh, tense. I love it. All right. Well, I think it is time to go on our very first break. So we will see you on the other side. And we're back. While Jen gets ready for her date with Vincent, Grams invites her to Bible study before telling her she won't be late. When Abby pops by demanding to know why Jen hit her, Jen cites Abby's continued verbal abuse before kicking her out. Later, Vincent shows up and the two of them hang out on Jen's porch and flirt while Vincent lays out his master plan of saving up money to go to law school. Meanwhile, Gail is pounding wines with Gary over water cooler talk when she answers the door only to find Tamara, who had stopped by to give her warehouse blueprint plans to Mitch before she has to take off the next day. Mitch lets her in and they go to another room to talk. Later, Dawson confronts Mitch and Gail in the kitchen about their simultaneous in-house dates before being sent to his room (laughs) as his parents once again fight over Mitch's restaurant plans and their continued marital issues. When Dawson goes into his room, he is startled to find Abby looking out his window towards Jen's house with a (laughs) pair of binoculars. At the ice house, Joey and Jack lament the slow Saturday and its lack of customers, except for one special, possibly magic older man who drinks coffee in the corner. Jack asks Joey why she's always grumpy and she doesn't know how to respond. Later, as the electricity flickers, the power in the lobster tank goes out, forcing Joey and Jack to move the crustaceans to a tray of ice. Andy walks in confused about where she was supposed to meet Pacey, but loses it when she realizes that she that he must be at her house. Simultaneously, Pacey arrives at Andy's house to pick her up for their date. Andy's mom lets him in and invites him to stay for dinner, saying that Andy's dad will be home soon. She also says that Andy's older brother, Tim, is upstairs and she goes to go get him. Yeah, that's the McPhee family house of horrors is, I'm (laughs) I'm pretty sure, a better name for it because it's haunted. Everybody knows that it's full of ghosts. It's full of the ghost of Tim. Clearly, he's upstairs listening to music. He's got his headphones on, so that's fun. There's a ghost upstairs, and then there's also the ghost of the dad who's also alive, but he is definitely a ghost, too, because he's there somehow. And I don't think 
their mom is real. I think she's a ghost. I think they're all ghosts. It's just Jack and Andy. And you know what? Fuck it. They might be ghosts too. I'm pretty sure they're all fucking ghosts. <laughs> and Pacey can see dead people. Well, yeah, you know. Maybe the only people that are actually alive is Mitch and Gail. And like oh all this is just like ghostly stuff that's happening yeah. around them because no one really, yeah, yeah like, like the, the way that they interact is weird. It's all weird. The McPhee house had like Twin Peaks vibes. Oh, yeah. Like, this is and, the start. And her mom, like Andy's mom too. Like, yeah, yeah, Act Two is the start of the David Lynch takeover yeah. hour of tw- <laughs> of sure. Dawson's Creek because between the magical hobo, between <laughs> yes, the <laughs> the McPhee family horror house and electricity becoming its own character, yes. Yes. it's all like they watched season one of Twin yeah. Peaks and were like, "Okay, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Can we do that?" I'm sure there are people that listen to Freaks and Creeks and Stella that go, shut the fuck up about David Lynch. We know that you like Lynch. We know you like Twin Peaks. We know you like Inland Empire, all that shit. But like, Jesus Christ, this episode does not stop. It is so surreal. And not just in the surreal, like, like it's so specifically Lynchian in the fact that it is like taking these uh, suburban archetypes and then twisting them into these like weird Mm -hmm. weird things like the the mom that won't you know acknowledge her son's passing and believes you know dad will be home soon any minute now like all that stuff is so weird yes so david lynch so lynch what do we think she's doing up there mommy mommy mcphee she's going upstairs to find tim she and then is it like a leland palmer he walks into laura palmer's room and just starts crying and that's the end of of her Mm -hmm. night she's going to be there for the rest of the night i like to imagine she goes upstairs and then she finds all the other little ghosties and they're like she's like hanging out in a rocking chair with the other ghosts (laughs) yeah it's like an adam's family or something like that yeah, I'm expect. I, I'm sad we didn't, you know, get the ceiling fan shot, and it was in slow yes. motion with her Although staring later, at it and screaming. Mitch is staring at a ceiling he fan. Yes, yes, yes so. another Lynchian thing. Um, <laughs> I loved it. It was so cool. So cool. So cool. But this or, is again. But like, these are the things that I loved about the episode. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, and, and it's not about like again, like it's not about it being uh, you know, quote unquote realistic. What I mean when I say realistic, I mean like within the the tone of what this show is and has mm-hmm. been up until this point and this shit fucking rules but it's like is it <laughs> intentional and like why like at what point are you in the writer's room and you go you know what we need a ghost we need a friendly <laughs> ghost man that goes to the ice house to leave poems and hundred dollar bills oh yeah like how did this even come up like who at the whiteboard was like yeah. you know what dave that's that's a great idea like put it down Oh, also, uh, when Stella and I initially watched this, is that kind man, Do is that is that Jack and Andy's dad? No. Do we think? No. Oh, That's no, what I, I said. That's in my notes. I said, I think it's daddy. Wouldn't and I, I have know? a reason. I'll, I'll share my reasoning in act three. Oh, yeah. No, I, now I'm, I'm hard, making a connection okay. of why, why that could be something that, yeah. I'm and a hard I had no a note, I had a note separate from, yeah, like, well, that's okay. What Jack thought about him, and now, like that kind of, I, I could see that, but I was going to mention that later. Um, I, I, I mean, I know why Stella's shaking her head and she's angry that we're even. There's something yeah. Jack says this. later that, yeah. No, there's multiple things oh, yeah, though because also definitely. Andy later says that like Jack does not acknowledge the family trauma. Yeah. yeah so right, it's yeah. like, is he so separated from his father at this point yeah. that he won't even acknowledge him if he sees him again because he ruined their family after Tim's death? Possibly. Before we get into this. I want to round out all the blue in this act. Oh, yes. Because, okay, like, there's too much. I'm not going to mention it in every scene. Yeah. So, okay. 
Jen's wearing blue again, second blue outfit while for getting ready for her day for Vincent. Um, the blue wine glasses oh, with Mitch so and Gail. Um, the blue prints. Uh, Vincent, Vincent and Jen are drinking out of blue mugs. Um, Gail has blue napkins. And then Andy's wearing a, her second blue outfit for her date. And that is all in this act so jesus christ i can't imagine being the fucking unpaid intern at the yeah. wb who, they're like you have to go find as much blue stuff <laughs> as you possibly can in the next four hours i really liked jen's dress yeah that blue dress it was, I thought it was yeah it was very cute yeah floral had some floral mm-hmm. detail yeah for sure and yeah those blue wine glasses let's hear about it is they're tacky as fuck and yeah. it just seems Super like tacky. yeah it, so 90s it just screams yeah. 1990s to me you know where i bet they got those fucking glasses tim the, burton that, set of, off of <laughs> set of field juice pj max no but remember that um in season in season one uh dawson goes to that shop with joey to find stuff for their his oh, parents yes. anniversary oh. is like a gift <laughs> and that's where they run into soft beat bob and it was just like the tackiest fucking store ever which is like right like one of those stores that just like have candles yeah. everywhere yeah, yeah. but not only were they like tacky they were also drinking white wine in the blue glasses which is like yellow so then it made it look green <laughs> yes. it was like they were drinking like green wine <laughs> yeah i thought they were drinking like midori yeah, which would be very so 90s weird. to be drinking like midori sours but but they or? also looked like martini glasses a little yeah. bit like yeah they were, they like, were yeah totally Romulan ale, anyone? <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh, don't get him started. Welcome back to Star Trek Picard season three <laughs> podcast. Let's talk about it. So I have to talk about Jack and Joey's chemistry continuing to grow here at the ice house as they're sitting there. Joey is drawing and Jack is folding origami. One, I love that he's folding origami and I love Joey's drawing of Bill Murray. That's really oh, impressive yeah. that she's able to do that from memory. <laughs> It was, uh, is it the same kind of profile too of him looking to uh, the right of the page? I believe so. Yeah. yeah. It's like, she's, she's, she's like, I can do profiles, but only one kind, only one <laughs> angle. Yeah. So when Jack says something about, you know, this is around the time when he's like, why are you always so angry? Um, he says, at what other time are we going to come across people from so many different walks of life that just come and go talking about, you know, why don't you like working in a restaurant? How many people do we think come and go from the ice house in a day? And how many different walks of life do we think that they're encountering here? And how does, how the fuck does Jack know anything about that since he's been there for like a week? I mean, I know he does literally everything at the ice house. Now he basically runs this place, but like, shut the fuck up, Jack. You don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah. It just came off to me as like us learning more about Jack. Like he's a dreamer. He likes Mm. people watching, you know, he's yeah. Kind of He's a hopeless romantic. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's, obnoxiously optimistic yeah. yes yes i thought it was silly the way he was like playing with the origami yeah he's making like, like finger puppets like finger puppets yeah, yeah. That was yeah. Cute. Like, how bored are you yeah <laughs> are we to is cape side a touristy town do we have they ever like mentioned what the vibe really is didn't well, joey mention tourist season at one point yes, yes. yes. for okay. the, yes. Miss, yes. the, the pageant. Pageant. jammer yes. yeah right <laughs> remember when uh martinique or uh dom 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 Frank Matthew, mm. what was the violin player's name? Oh, Dominique yes. Frank Matthew. <laughs> yes, thank you. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, the but, violin player. Oh, yes, yeah. Dominique Frank Matthew from the boat who was yes. chipping in yeah. uh, from their family, the rich family business. He's, mm-hmm. he's the, he charms all the fish with his violin. The antique goers. Yes. 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 They, yeah. they came for a chair. 
Honestly, like if you if you were to threaten me right now and like you have you know <laughs> gun to head, like who? What was that man's name? I would have said Vincent. Like in my mind, that man's <laughs> yeah. name is Vincent as well. Does anybody remember what his name was? Seriously. Uh, let, let's go through the alphabet. A. Do you think he's like an Alex? <laughs> Okay, That's no. That's baby, baby Alex, right? Baby, oh, baby there's Alex. B, baby Alex. Uh, C, Carl, Chris. Um, Ooh, for some reason oh I got excited when you, you said C. C. Okay, all right. Okay. I'm feeling C. So the let's, energy's strong. Right, put a pin in C. Ooh. D, Daniel, no. Devin. Dominique, no. Frank Matthews. Dominique, <laughs> Frank Matthews. Oh my God, going on IMDb right now. <laughs> Dominique, Frank Matthews. And get this, he was playing himself. <laughs> wow, That's amazing. Um, I also would have said Vincent too. But maybe that's just because. Yeah, Jesus. He's another boatman. <laughs> boatman. Boatman. Boatman one. Boatman two. So Jack telling Joey or asking her why she's always angry, what does he expect her to say? Because it's kind of like, you know, you should smile more. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. okay, thanks. Yeah. Like maybe she has a reason, which she does. She has plenty of reason to and just because she's not willing to share it doesn't mean she's not entitled to her own emotions and it just feels a little bit like jack is being like you should cheer up bud buck up buttercup i know he's not i know he's just trying to share some emotional warmth or intelligence with her but i mean it does come off as patronizing like he's just like prodding her to get a reaction out of her you don't go up to anyone that's grumpy and be like why are you such a grumpy boy yeah. you yeah. wake up on the wrong side of the day today bud hmm <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know. I didn't, I don't know. I didn't really find it patronizing. I thought it was interesting because I don't know if anyone's ever like said something like that to Joey. Like, I don't think she maybe realizes that she comes off that way. To other She's people. invisible. Maybe most he's of the, the first yeah, person that kind of pointed it out to her and made her think about mm-hmm. it, about herself. Yeah. I think he actually sees her. In a mm-hmm. way that like nobody else does because Dawson doesn't see that, right? Nobody else mm-hmm. sees that. So I think I thought it was kind of cute and charming in a way, but also annoying. Mm-hmm. I still only get I I really only get friendship vibes between the both of them. Even though I mean he later like kisses her and longs for her and all this stuff, but like yeah. right. the the stuff that they talk about doesn't really feel like there's like a romantic energy to it. It really mm-hmm. feels like people are connecting over um, like philosophy or art or like yeah. all yeah. these other things that like don't yeah. really feel uh, sexy or spicy. Uh, no, but I, it feels very uh, like um, maybe not authentic, but like realistic to me in that way, because like I think kids like Jack who are very emotionally intelligent or in touch with their emotions and are also intelligent. I think he is a very intel- intelligent person I think it's hard for him to feel like connected to people. And then when he finally meets somebody who is on his same level, quote unquote with Joey, they can, they can communicate. He feels understood. I think it's easy to, for him to feel like that's love when really Mm. it's just like, Oh, I found a kindred spirit. Mm. He's never felt that Mm -hmm. before though, because he's only 15. So he confuses those emotions with somebody, you know, romantic, like romantic feelings. And I, I wonder if the the whole lobster thing had some significance because, you know, like lobsters mate for life and mm. they're both mm. trying to save the lobsters. And is that like, yeah, interesting. Maybe have a little, is that a little foreshadow to their something that happens with them later? Hmm. Oh yeah. Removing someone from their environment and placing mm-hmm. them in another place mm-hmm. just to survive. That too, yeah. Mm-hmm. Keeping them in a little box. 
that you stare at and, you know, you like. They're co- yeah, they're so concerned about these lobsters this whole time. You put know? them off on a shelf. Getting yeah. boiled alive. Yes. <laughs> so talking about the like weird double date situation at the Leary household. Um, okay. So this feels very passive aggressive for Mitch to um, invite Tamara over. Um, and the fact that like Gail comes to the door, it's just like, you know, the, the, the fact that there's no communication between uh, Mitch and Gail, like Mitch being like, Hey, just so you know, uh, someone's going to come over to, to help me look at this blueprint. Well, I was confused about that because it seemed like Tamara was just coming over on her own uh, volition, right? Because she yeah. was just like, like... Mitch didn't know. Yeah. Well, yeah. She was like, oh, I'm going to be going tomorrow. So I wanted to hand off these blueprints in case you wanted to think mm. more about it before I leave. And we right. saw okay. that. Isn't that what we saw in the beginning of... Was it the beginning of this episode or last episode where where Tamara and Mitch run into each other and Mitch is, you know, Mitch is basically like, you know, just give me one more look at those blueprints and I think I'll know what yeah. I need to to make the offer. Was that this episode? Yes. Yeah. So I totally thought she was just dropping by too. Like it was just mm-hmm. the, the, the you know, like sheer dumb luck coincidence that it happens to be at the same time. I don't think Mitch invited her. I think yeah. she just comes yeah. over. Okay. But I think also in that moment, he's just like, oh, this will show her. Yes. Like he's like happy about it. Because yeah. he's like, oh, well, maybe I can take advantage of this situation to make Gail a little jealous. Right. And I invite Tamara in to stay a little longer, you know, to, yeah, really like twist that knife. That's how I saw <laughs> it, know. thought about it. Yeah. Well, okay. That wasn't my, that wasn't my read. Interesting. Um, but it did feel very tense very quickly with Gail and Tamara interacting um, yeah, PTA meeting. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so that this is just further confirmation that everybody knows about tomorrow's past then, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Gail is upset because she thinks tomorrow is a, like a whore. I guess we'll so. Just I mean, like that's just like, or yeah. is she like, you're going to sleep with Dawson now. <laughs> my, Mitch is pimping out my son. <laughs> Could be. I mean, in her mind. I mean, like if the, if this is like so normalized to just like sleep with a sixteen year old, then in her she's like, oh, you're gonna sleep with Mitch now too? Maybe Dawson? Maybe anyone? Mm. Like, Gary? <laughs> uh, you you can Gary. take Mitch. You can take <laughs> Dawson. But get your goddamn fingers <laughs> off of Gary. He is a perfect boy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I did kind of. I liked that shot of Dawson watching the two interactions take place between his parents and him just kind of like piecing things together of like, okay, Mm -hmm. this is happening in this house. Um, and asking about Thursday nights. Um, yeah, all of it was just really uncomfortable and made me really feel for Dawson and yeah. Yeah. I liked watching him kind of piecing, it all together and he's in that prime spot just pivoting between these two different scenes which also is just hilarious to see like oh well what's what's the the height of this ceiling over here and tomorrow's mm-hmm. like oh well, i think it's it's 18 feet and then they cut over to gary and he's like yeah cameras are big and um sometimes they go bizza, 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 and sometimes they go paka, 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 and gail's like wow gary that's so cool and he's just like i think sex might happen between one of these two people <laughs> I, I thought I, I liked watching it happen. And then he goes upstairs to Abby. Yeah. He like escapes up to his room and then 
and yeah, he like, finds her in there, which is like, nobody wants that. Nobody fucking wants that. And the way that he tells Abby to go away is just perfect. Listen. Go away, Abby. <laughs> He's just know, so, so defeated. Yeah, like, go away. So sad. Get just out of here. Go away, Abby. Just want some peace. <laughs> All, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that was funny. I am perplexed as to why, um, why Abby is spying on Jen it's like is she really I don't know I mean she seemed she called Vincent a creep earlier so it's like does she is she jealous and Mm -hmm. wants to know what's going on and wants to make her like her jealous later we see see yes um (laughs) but it's just like why do you why do you want to watch them like it just felt it's like tort- like you're torturing yourself. Exactly the same yeah. way. I mean, I did this. You know, I'd have a crush on some kid. Some kid. <laughs> was, Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, like back when I was 25. No. Um, <laughs> as a teenager, you know, I'd have a crush on like a girl in my class or something. And then one of my friends and her would spark it off. And then I, we, we would just, I'd, you know, we'd all be out together and I would watch them because I'm like, <laughs> I want to be with her. Right. Like that's what Abby's doing here, except with the added layer of breaking and entering yeah. into Dawson's house and spying through binoculars like a little creep. Yeah. I mean, the mo- the modern version of that is like, oh, I have a crush on this person. So I'm going to look at their Instagram and see who's yeah. like mm-hmm. making yeah. likes on there. And I'm going to make a fake account. Yes. Mm-hmm. That if Dawson's Creek were to come out today, it would be a very boring episode of Abby being like, well, I'm making a catfish account. <laughs> yeah. I wish she would. All right. Well, I think that's that then. In Jen's kitchen, they gab about awkward sexual encounters. Vincent tells a transphobic story about going home with a woman, but turning her down when he realized she had a penis. But don't worry, y'all. They're still friends. And Jen tells him about getting caught sleeping with someone in her parents' bed. This gives him the green light to rub what this viewer believed to be jam or maybe blood on her mouth before they make out. Later, Vincent forcibly pushes Jen against the dining table while she clearly tells him to stop, only quitting once she tells him she's only 16 while Graham simultaneously walks through the front door berating him. Meanwhile, Abby continues to spy on Jen from Dawson's bedroom window, but gets sidetracked expressing her own experience with divorce, having heard Dawson's parents argue downstairs. Twirling her figurative mustache, Abby attempts to seduce Dawson in the hope that Jen might see from the window. When Dawson turns her down, she asks him to, at the very least, lie and say they made out just to make Jen jealous. Having kicked Abby out, Dawson goes downstairs and fetches his parents to confront them about their open marriage. When Gail gets flustered that Mitch has yet to forgive her for cheating and leaves the room, Dawson yells at his dad to just forgive her already and fix the family. To this, Mitch relates through tears how his father gave him all the advice he ever needed to succeed in life, but never told him how to manage through a cheating spouse. Back at Andy's parents' house, Andy shows up to find Pacey by his lonesome and insists they leave immediately, startled and confused. Pacey asks her why she's so flustered and anxious, and she reveals that her brother Tim, whom her mother had just gone upstairs to fetch, is in fact deceased. At the ice house, Joey and Jack's attempts at fixing the lobster tank blow the electricity out. The mysterious coffee drinker tells our heroes to unplug the lobster tank and plug it back in, which thankfully restores the power. However, our mystery man disappears. When Jack (laughs) approaches the man's table, he realizes he left a handwritten poem (laughs) and a $100 bill. Joey reads the poem about not squandering love while you have it and turns the light out. And in that moment, Jack grabs her for a passionate smooch 
which Joey eventually <laughs> breaks free from to awkwardly continue cleaning the restaurant for closing. So we're back in the ice house. The camera goes real close to Coffee Guy's face. Yes. He has blue eyes. Ah, ah, ice blue. I remember. And and he has, they're like super wide too. So yes, that we definitely see them. Intentionally opens them very wide and the light goes right to his eyes. Yeah. They give it that like noir, like also. Yeah. And it's like the De Palma shot too, because yeah. you're getting his face on the left side of the screen. And on the right side, you still see uh, uh, Jack, Joey and yeah. Jack. And it looks like they're also in focus too. And they're trying to figure out what's going on with the lights. The lobsters, we got to say the lobsters. They get this tip from Coffee Guy, mm-hmm. you know, unplug um, it, well, plug, plug it in, whatever. Suddenly, a blue light appears mm, in the lobster. You're right. Mm, oh mm-hmm. my god! Yeah. Uh, tank. Ah. Uh, how weird. Then we see them t- kind of talking about Coffee Guy. Who is this guy? Like, maybe he's doesn't have a family. Maybe this. Maybe that. Um. Then we come to realize that both Jack and Joey are seeing. They're empathizing with him as a like a parent. Like mm-hmm. they, he's like in in both of their of their eyes. He's like they're empathizing with him. Like because I think Jack says, "Well, maybe he lost a kid. a kid," and then Joey says, "Maybe he lost a wife," which is her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I thought that was an interesting kind of like maybe commonality between them. Joey and Jack have the same dad. Dad broke out of prison. He's had a very rough month getting back to Cape side. Doesn't realize who Joey or Jack is anymore because I mean, maybe it's like Shawshank. Maybe instead of the tunnel being like a, like a football field wide, maybe it was like 10 football fields wide. Think of all that muck that he had to crawl through so much. Oh my God. And he's lost his marbles. Plus there's all the vampires and werewolves and stuff. So who knows what he saw on his way here. I think it's very likely, but the line that convinced me that this is Jack's dad is when Jack says, or a son, and he's staring and looking at him longingly and describing all of the things that basically telling, you know, telling Joey not to, not to like discredit this guy, to give him a chance because, you know, he could be anybody. He could be my daddy. You know why this is good TV? They don't give us an easy answer. They this don't. is something that we yeah. can argue about. People, Even though Stella, I love that Stella is over here shaking her head. She's got her tiny little fists balled yeah. up and put <laughs> on those. She's got her arms crossed yeah. and she's just shaking her head. But listeners, you'll remember last week Stella said there was no chemistry between Jack and Joey. And then this episode they kissed. So I think next episode we'll find out there's a, a McPhee Potter family reunion. <laughs> But and see, mommy's not dead. Mommy's just crazy. Yeah. But see how rich uh, TV, film, art can be if there are no concrete answers. It lets us, the audience, argue about what is the truth. And we yeah. can argue until we're all dead. I, and I, peop, I do believe people will be arguing about whether or not this magical hobo in the, <laughs> in the ice house is actually Jack and or Joey's dad. Until magical. the end of time. He is magical. And that's another yes. thing, too, where I'm like... Up until this point, there's been no magic people. None. No. I mean, we've talked about the vampires of Cape Side, ha ha ha, wink yes. wink. But they're like, we haven't actually gotten like someone who's <laughs> disappearing, right? And doing magic stuff and has uh, like good things to offer as magical advice for mm-hmm. yeah the the heroes of Dawson's Creek. It's so weird. I mean, it's in this act that we read the poem, right? It's in it's yes. right here that this happens. And so it was $100 that bill, yeah. poem is. 
definitely from an old seafarer who, who died <laughs> yeah. a thousand years ago. <laughs> a thousand years ago, yeah. my people. There were, there were people here and he was there. His wife got separated from him. He died. She died. He's a ghost. He comes back. He has a hundred dollars. I don't know how he got a hundred dollars because he is a ghost, but he does and he gives it to them and then disapparates. And I love it. You ever see John Carpenter's The Fog? Yes. Super good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think he's one of the pirates and instead of going to that Definitely. other New England town, he ends up in Cape Side? Yes. He's just like, yar. Yeah. Got <laughs> me directions confused. Yar. I'm supposed to kill somebody here, but I don't know who. <laughs> me love me poetry, matey. Yar. Okay. Well, I want to talk. I want to revisit Vincent here because earlier I was saying that, you know, he's like, he, I have a hard time like giving him a benefit, the benefit of the doubt. And here is where it just becomes that much harder to call him anything but a predator. Because like, for example, when they're talking about their most embarrassing sexual encounter and Jen's most embarrassing sexual encounter is having sex on her dad's bed and getting caught by her dad. And she, and he's not like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Maybe you're young. He doesn't start to put it together then like, dude, what in the fuck is going on with you? You're sitting outside on the porch. Like it's just so clear. This guy is such a fucking creep. Yes. I mean, I don't even know where to start. It's like, he's so disgusting. I mean, everything that's like led up to this moment is disgusting. There's no, like I'm trying to play devil's advocate which is weird to play devil's advocate for someone that is uh, a disgusting... Well, we have to give the show the benefit yeah. of the doubt, right? Like, there's got to be some reason. But it's hard to. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I mean, like, if... Like, so it's like either, like, my early theory that maybe it's the writers being like, oh, you want to see what, it, like, a bad thing is right. like? Like, with Tamara and Pacey, that was beautiful. This is, like, the evil thing that you think it is. But it's like... Yeah. The, the, the other... Um, <laughs> but, I mean, that would have to be a very special piece of shit, but... Hollywood maybe. So uh <laughs> I I also wonder and this sucks too is like we've we've talked also about how in the season 1 finale Jen like came to faith, right? Like in a minor way and we didn't really know like well is this true or not? And this feels like another example of oh Grams was right all along because she later reprimands Jen for like this is what happens when you're like stick to your old New York ways, yep. which is slut shaming but also like blaming the victim in like a million different ways. So it's like it, it are is the message we're supposed to gain from this is like this is what happens when you like play with fire like don't be a sinner don't be like jen and try to sleep with people even though this like what it was wasn't even her idea to begin with to even hang out with vincent and originally right. it was just like oh i'll show you on cape side and then like he was the one that was really like pressuring her to make it into a date and like all this stuff yeah mm, i don't know i mean earlier when she's at the makeup store she said when she tells abby she's like really excited she's That's like true. i've been dying to tell someone like i'm going on this date <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> true Which well is, yeah that's that a good point yeah. and i hadn't actually considered that she's been dying to tell somebody for what five minutes right yeah, yeah. you yeah. like literally yeah. just talked to this yeah. dude and now you're in the makeup store that you <laughs> left the dude to go to like what <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I also like the whole, the whole reason that they were getting together was supposedly so that Jen could show him around Cape side and show him the nightlife and like what there is to do. Then Didn't why he say are, show her like the, the, 
show him, sorry. Or show him the, the like low key side of keeps. Isn't that what he said? Like, I just want a cup of coffee. I just want to like, but even then it's like, well, you can find that at my house. Go to yeah. Mal- they could have gone, gone to Mal- Mal- I know. We know that, that place is popping off. Mike White's in there writing <laughs> his next yeah. script. Yeah. I mean, I kind of wonder if the purpose was more to show like Jen, Jen's been like looking for comfort and, in different ways and nothing's really been working. So I wonder if she thought like, okay, going on a date with this handsome older man might make me feel better. And then it didn't, it made me feel a lot worse. Mm. I I don't want my mind to go there because it's like, I should think of this as like, this is just a TV show, but it's also, I mean, this is designed for teenagers. Like the show is for teens. That's the target audience. And it makes me sick that like this, like the easiest solution to like all of our questions is like, this is about moral panic. And like, we want to talk about like, this is what happens when girls try to like be uh, sexy and like try to like get with older men. Like, Mm -hmm. this is what you get. And like, you should really think about like, what could possibly happen to you if you try to do this? It's it's very Degrassi mm. in my eyes. I think it's hard not to draw that conclusion when it's the foil or like, you know, the other thing, the thing Jen turns down for the date with Vincent is going to Bible study with Grams where specifically they're doing St. Matthew or whatever. They're forgiving the sinners. Like, I don't know. I don't know my Bible stuff, but like, how is it not? She is literally rejecting repentance to go on her own date with this older man. Like it's hard not to draw it as like, this is the consequence of your action kind of a, mm-hmm. a storyline. I don't want that to be what it is, but it, it just, I don't know. It's very, <sighs> yeah, playing, I mean, trying to like turn this into something positive. I'm just trying to think like, if we're talking about Jen's identity, like this isn't who she really is. And maybe this yeah. is just like that, that is what it is. And like, there's like, nothing more to it. And it's like, mm-hmm. like or- she wouldn't have gone out of her way originally to ask this fucking 45 year old <laughs> out on a date. Like she's just like trying something new. Yeah. And then by the end she's like, this yeah. is not, this Me. is not it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I kind of wonder you know? if this is like, her like bottom of the barrel type thing of yes. like, oh, yeah. yeah, like I think so. The yeah. low moment that brings you back. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. hope I have something that I th- would like to propose to you all. And I think you're all going to be very captivated by this listeners. You too, everybody. I have a new detail about Pacey. Hey, you're here. He's a goat man. Uh, oh, let's hear it again. <laughs> Hey, you're here. Pacey is a goat man. It also sounded like a barn door opening. Like (laughs) (laughs) that's when Andy comes home to find Pacey in their house. Pacey has just been staring at different things in their house for probably a couple hours (laughs) while mommy is upstairs. She's not there anymore because she's a ghost, but you know, like knocking things around and going to, but um, this is interesting because we've heard, Jack and Andy talk about their financial situation as the last remains of a dying dynasty or whatever. And then we see their house and it is very nice. This does not feel like the last remains of a dying dynasty. I know that they talk about how the business is failing and things are going bad over there, but like it, it seems like things are okay. I mean, this was super confusing because to me, I, so am I remembering right that they're new to town yes right so which means they probably just moved into this house yes 
So they just moved in. It didn't make sense to me either. They just moved into this like really nice house, but business is failing. Mm. And they so back in it definitely like yeah. didn't match up. I don't know if that was like it's writing. Because like some, they're ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> right. that, that that's a really good observation though, because if this was their house that they were living in before all their money went away, there would have been, been, been something where oh. it's like, oh, they make a deal with the bank on like yeah. their bankruptcy and But they're new to town. Yeah, they're so, new. Like yeah. they just got oh. this place. So Oh yeah. They're new to town, all right. <laughs> they're only a couple hundred years old ah! in this town. Because <laughs> this is the last remains of a dying slash decaying dynasty. There is a spell being cast on anybody mm. who who comes uh, to this this house because ooh, when creepy. they walk in they get invited in because ghost mommy is like please come inside i need to siphon some of your life energy and the house looks new brand new but in real life if you're not under the spell it is a decaying house much like the ruins what if the dilapidated yes yes house yes. is like that was like theirs Ooh. the place they looked at last time like what if it's when, actually dilapidated but oh, yes. like you're saying when someone enters in it's this Palace. I love I this. Like <laughs> Revelio. 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 <laughs> oh man. Wow. Okay. I think we've cracked it. Yeah. We did it. So Dawson is trying and failing to get his parents to just acknowledge his presence in this <laughs> argument and respect his, I guess, emotions, really. That's all he's asking for is for them to be like, hey, can you please explain what's happening here? Um, they continue to ignore him and he then, uh, his dad gets angry and Dawson says this to his daddy. I'm sorry, Dawson. Mom's... God damn! <laughs> you can't just let it go, can you? Look, she made a mistake, all right? I know that. You know that. She knows that. She's been trying to get you to forgive her and you just won't let her off the hook. You gotta... You gotta get beyond your own ego and just forgive her. All right. So he says all this to his dad about Gail and soft bebop, right? The hot dog is, you know, we have to forgive her, her for that. So <laughs> what he doesn't know is right now, Joey is kissing Jack. Do we think mm-hmm. he is going to have this same, you know, f- sense of forgiveness and understanding when Joey tries to tell her him what happens do we think that he's going to have this same thing or are we going to see another like father like son moment that's a great question because it's almost like he's giving future advice to himself oh yeah totally yeah Yeah. because joey knows she made a mistake she didn't even want to kiss jack in the first place yeah no but it happened Mm -hmm. and as we see in this next act i will tease this she does try to come forward to him but dawson won't let her Mm -hmm. so what is dawson's response going to be is he going to actually remember this and be as sincere as he is or is he going to be angry my initial thought is no i think he'll be angry but i wonder if uh joey will you know be honest with him and if dawson won't be honest about the Jen thing or if he'll write off what Joey did Mm. because he knows that he also was unfaithful. Oh man. Right. That is, wow. I I totally forgot about about that. What if Dawson's being this upset and angry because he is hoping he'll get forgiveness mm. when he comes clean to Joey? Man, I yeah, <laughs> I hate that my memory is like a goldfish because I totally forgot that they kissed. Yeah. Yeah, me too. That was the season one finale, right? No, no, this, this scene, this season. season. Was that this season? When this season? Like Jen, episode one, two? Yeah. Remember at the yeah. beach party at, Joe, at Pacey's 
birthday 16th party. Birthday. Oh, that one. I was thinking, the drunk kiss. I was Wasn't thinking of uh, when Jen slept over and they kissed in the morning and There's then Joey that saw it. There's that too. Oh, yeah. And then ran right. away, but they've never really talked about it. No. They never acknowledged it. That's a good point. Well, now, now that's like <laughs> ammo to, you know, he's got two different situations that, was the that he had. F- for Joey and Dustin were together, right, though? Yeah. Okay. Officially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's before they made it Facebook official. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> they hadn't updated their relationship status yet. Yeah. I forgot that she kissed him against his will at, at Pacey's Sweet 16. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. No, the other kiss was during the Different Lifestyles project. I'll turn, oh, yes. So they kissed twice this season? Yes. Did wow. they kiss during that? Yes. Yeah. No. Oh, she oh. kissed him. Jen yeah, in his bedroom. God yeah. damn. So there were those two forced kisses of her kissing him, mm-hmm. but then before la- last season was when they before they were together. But yeah, mm-hmm. this time mm-hmm. two. So that they've three yeah, so different two. situations. Yeah. 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 Wow. Okay. So, but that's interesting that it was yeah Jen forcing like forcing a kiss mm-hmm. on Dawson and then Jack for, forcing yeah. a kiss on kiss Joey. On. Oh yeah. 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 Very interesting. All this to say, yeah, he is <laughs> when Joey finally owns up he's going to be an asshole about it. Mm-hmm. He never yeah. learns his own lessons. Oh no, no, not at all. I would be shocked if he immediately is like, Oh, right. I, I, I was need to, just speaking yeah, with right. my father about this actually. <laughs> yeah. And let me just tell you, I forgive you. <laughs> I understand. <laughs> at the same time, he's, he has shown a lot of emotional maturity with Jen stuff. That's true. Yeah. Like when mm-hmm. he's like, you know, talking to Abby, even this episode about spying on Jen and her relationship. But even when Jen was, you know, throwing herself at, Dawson, he was not a dick about it. It's true. So mm-hmm. who knows? Um, also, I th- I can't remember if this is in this actor before when they're uh, uh, Mitch and Gail are both in the kitchen and like refilling the wine glasses and bringing them back to their yeah. respective people. Um, did anyone catch like Gail kind of like spilling, spilling. the yes. wine and that it was, seemed like an improv thing. Totally. Like she didn't mean to. And then she was like, Oh, was that's great. great. Yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> that was act two. And I was like, Oh, she's holding blue napkins. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought that was funny. Okay. So we go back to Andy's house where, um, Pacey has been waiting and Andy comes in and she really wants to get out of there. And Pacey's like, no, that's rude. We should stay for dinner, blah, blah, blah. Um, and she really doesn't want to tell him the truth. I don't know. I'm, I kind of stopping there. I don't know why she's so hesitant on not talking about what happened because it seems like they've been able to like be honest with each other and have pretty open and honest conversations. And she just really doesn't want to even touch it. Um, and then finally does. And, Um, I thought he was just super supportive and I really enjoyed seeing him comfort her. You know, it's like one of those, another pacey moment where it just like, it feels like he is able Mm -hmm. to be really supportive in a really genuine way. Yeah. I thought it was great uh, character development for him because here he is like, he's like, I'm going to show initiative and and take her on a date. And, but instead, you know, he's, he shows initiative and is supporting her. Uh, the night went differently than he wanted it to, but he still is, you know, yeah, there, there for her mm-hmm. in a way that he didn't think he would have to be. But yeah, I mean, I have a, I, I think the obvious reason why she's like, we got to get out of here is because she knows that her mom is going to turn into a murderous ghost any second now and kill Pacey because he's alive. I was like, definitely like, worried that she would pop out and be like, Hey, like in the middle of Andy mm-hmm. explaining to Pacey what, you know, I was yeah. like kind of on, 
It was going to be there. like The yeah. Shining, and she was going to get an axe and say, here comes Johnny or whatever. And <laughs> Great party, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I mean, that's it's. I can't be the only one who thought that. I'm just like so glad. I mean, like the, I really... I um I think these are like interesting character beats for Andy and her family, but I really hate this like I this idea of like mom thinks he's still alive. And I think it's just really corny of her being like, I'll oh I'll be right back. Tim's just upstairs. Yeah. And like I'm so glad it didn't get worse and have a scene where she comes down and she goes, Oh great, Tim and Dad are already sitting down. Why yes. don't you say hi, yeah. Pacey? I know, I thought yeah. If that had happened, I would have thrown my television out yep. the window. Yeah. I much prefer the Twin Peaks way of handling it where both parents are completely broken and we see them both being completely broken. Whereas in this one we get a very stereotypical way of handling it mm-hmm. the mom had an emotional breakdown she had to be hospitalized and they're trying to deal with it the best they can and the dad left cool that's just great so there's nothing new at all here we're not treading any new ground with this okay nice we're all just tropes i guess that yeah. makes sense okay i think it is time for a break okay. so we'll see you on the other side Back at Jen's, she sits alone crying on her front porch when Grams pops in only to accost her for slipping back into her old New York ways and that her behavior will not be tolerated. Ugh. (laughs) Over at Andy's, she finally fills Pacey in on her big family secret. They had all been in a terrible car accident that killed her older brother, Tim. And ever since her mom has been in a psychosis of varying degrees and her dad has stayed in Rhode Island with the failing family business. She also specifically mentions that Jack doesn't know how to acknowledge the tragedy before reluctantly sobbing in Pacey's warm embrace. Over at the ice house, Dawson shows up and tells Joey he needed to get out of the house. And Jack tells Joey he can close up so she can be with Dawson, watching her with longing as she leaves. Our heroes end up back on Dawson's roof, and before Joey can tell him what happened, he cuts her off, (laughs) saying the only thing that he wants to do is stare at her face. He then tells her to close her eyes and guess who's speaking to her, which he says it's the man in the moon. And she replies that it's actually the woman in the moon before going back to a makeout sesh. A montage ensues, beginning with Mitch telling Gail that he will leave and circles capeside as we see our heroes in the thralls of sadness from their experience during that long, fateful day. I love this act, not because it really does anything, but because it symbolizes what I think this whole episode is about, which is just about consequences. And we see it in that final montage is every, (laughs) every (laughs) single character is like, man, shit sucks. (laughs) Fuck. Everything sucks. I've made all the worst decisions. My whole life sucks. This is so bad. Did it remind anyone else of the Donnie Darko montage? I was expecting Gary Jules's mad world cover. to kick in. I was expecting the big bunny to come through. I was actually expecting <laughs> bad bunny to come through. Oh my God. You <laughs> but basically everyone is crying. Yeah. Yeah. Just about. Except Mitch. Except Mitch. He's, he's staring at, yeah. he's but flexing he, and staring, staring at, at the fan. fan. But he yeah. was crying earlier. Yes. 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 Yeah. So when Grams, when Grams tells Mitch, it's time, when Gail tells Mitch, it's time. What do we think that is I'll for go. a divorce? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Mitch says, I'll go. So, yeah. Yeah. That was Time quick. For a divorce. Um, 
that just made me think of that interaction between Abby and Dawson where um, she was like, you know, divorce isn't that bad. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she kind of ends it with like, now I get quadruple the allowance. So it kind of like tarnishes that moment. But um, I did think it was a nice um, little insight more of like what's going on with Abby. And um, I thought it was a nice perspective to like offer Dawson that like, it could get better on the other side of this. Hmm, definitely. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, I, I, for some reason, I just have a feeling they won't get divorced. Hmm. You know, I think they're faking us out here. I mean, if I know is, I called that they were going to get divorced, but I, yeah. I feel like they're not going to get it. Sorry, Cody. Well, no, 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 you're right. I mean, like this is, if this is coming from the same moral perspective that is like slapping Jen on the wrist for being a victim, like, this could also be the same moral voice that's saying, well, divorce is the ultimate evil. Yeah. So we're going to see like how far we can break these characters only to put them back together again, even though it would actually be nice to see uh, like a positive view of divorce and seeing how that could benefit everyone's lives, including Dawson. And maybe that could be the thing that like uh, we, we saying the thing like break his brain, but like break the mold of what he views as reality to be. And that would actually be a positive thing to be like, Oh wow. Like it is great that Mitch and Gail are actually happier. And this is benefiting my life too, because I'm no longer in this extremely toxic house all the time. That would be great Mm -hmm. for Dawson to actually experience that. And then maybe it would change his like other worldviews. Will we get that? Probably not. No. My guess is that they will get separated at the very least. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think we'll get half a season or so of them living in se- separated. I don't know that we'll get another house, but I think that they'll be heavily implying that they're separated. Yeah. And maybe during that time, Mitchell get the, the kelp going and that's maybe that'll happen for him. And was it last episode where I said that that's, what's going to be what's going to repair their relationship that <laughs> maybe, Gail yeah, is going to become like, she's going to oh, do a story on the kelp or something. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, for looking at the Dawson Mitch parallels, are we going to see something similar? to like, I don't know, predicting what's going to happen in the next few episodes. Do we think the trajectory is that now Dawson and Joey, they're going to have to confront her kiss and then also his kiss. And then while this is going on, Mitch and Gail are confronting that. So they're separating. So maybe Dawson and Joey break up Dawson and blah, 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 get together as Joey and Jack Jack. get together or whatever. But then it all comes together in the season two, three, four, five, whatever finale where they finally do come back together at the exact same time. Mitch Mm. and Gail, Joey and Dawson. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. How interesting. I just drew the connection between Mitch and the kelp with his, his, you know, aquatic themed restaurant and Dawson and that horror movie he's shooting in the first season, Mm. which Mm. is basically a ripoff of the swamp thing. Isn't that interesting that both of them have this kind of like aquatic theme? Hmm. Maybe Mitch's, sorry, maybe Dawson's monster will live in the kelp. Oh. But then, so if they put up like the creature of the Black Lagoon, like, like suit in the kelp, then Universal will sue them for all their worth and then all their money goes away and then they become Andy's family. Interesting. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) Or maybe. Maybe maybe his movie will be screening on loop at the, at the kelp. (laughs) So when you eat dinner at the kelp, you can watch Dawson's movie. (laughs) Wait, sorry. I'm digging a little bit deeper into this realization I just made. So in that movie that Dawson made, he was 
kind of, as we really pontificated on quite a bit in season one, he was um, identifying with the monster because the monster is destroying everything he loves and he's kind of like the shadow version of himself. Isn't it interesting now that we see this analog between Mitch and Gale with the kelp being this because the kelp is destroying Mitch and Gale's relationship and potentially, yes, it's not the thing that set it off, but it is the same thing that is now at the forefront of their relationship and being the kind of linchpin that's driving them apart. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Oh, this is so good, guys. <laughs> what if uh, this would be the worst TV show of all time and it turns out that the reason Mitch doesn't really acknowledge uh, Dawson is because they're the same person and Mitch <laughs> is like reliving his life. <laughs> like like the reason Dawson is experiencing these things is because this is Mitch's past and he's reliving yes. the things like he didn't learn from his own lessons. If yes. that's the case, he needs to tell Dawson what to do Yes, when to fix. his spouse yeah. beats on him. <laughs> God. If, if only he had advice, asked. If only he had asked. If only he had asked. <laughs> oh my God. Oh! <gasps> you know what's going to be great i'm just i will listeners i uh stella's gonna love this because i'm really into betting now um god i have a bet going right now for the current season of survivor and ever since then i am just going (laughs) nuts over betting (laughs) listeners out there that are hearing this i'm having a bet with you uh do we think within the next few episodes now that Joey has kissed Jack, Dawson will go up to Mitch and ask for advice mm. because he's like, well, I think it's time for me to ask the advice that you never got from your dad. Mm. Yeah. Or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm. Yes. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm going I'm to bet against you. After that Hell crying yeah. scene though. Yeah. That was an embarrassing scene. I'm yeah. sorry. Uh, I, again, this is like what I really, what's the actor's name? He's good. I like him. Yeah. John Wesley Shipp. John Wesley, John Wesley yes. Shipp. Yes. Yes. Uh, our dad we're shipheads here uh at uh <laughs> listen up you shipheads <laughs> we're shipheads here at uh freaking creek co but i i'm just gonna blame the directing because the the episode is kind of wonky anyways in in my pov but his delivery of this monologue was so corny and yes. forced his crocodile tears did not do anything for me again it was one of those moments that stella and i had to pause the show and stare at each other and just go what the fuck is going yeah. on we have yeah. yet to get like something like this out of him. And this is not what I was expecting at all. It's just like the least convincing sob story ever. It's like, I didn't get advice on the things I didn't ask for. Yeah. It's <laughs> right. Yeah. That, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Who would have guessed that I, I didn't ask my dad what to do if my spouse cheats on me. And I don't know. <laughs> do other people ask their dads that? Is that a thing that like, huh? As a like what? Yeah, it was bizarre writing. <laughs> Definitely like just didn't make sense. Especially in the same episode that did such a good job of show don't tell when we yes. saw from mm-hmm. Dawson's POV like putting everything together about the open marriage, but then later just have a character do this like huge exposition dump about the most yes. specific thing in the world. Right. What? And like <laughs> It's awesome. I think it's awesome that we have daddy showing emotion and being emotionally open. That's amazing. Yeah. Let's not waste it on a completely trash fucking throwaway thing that isn't real. Let's make it relatable to other people. I mean, like, yeah, people get cheated on. That is relatable. But, like, not knowing because you didn't ask your parents is not the relatable thing about it. I mean, I know they're trying to draw a through line of, like, masculinity and these things that, right. like, you should be having conversations about and it is great seeing the ship uh cry a lot but 
this isn't how you do it. No. This is not the right way to do it. No. It's not. They should have had him say, my daddy didn't show me how to car whittle down a stick into a little, little, little man. Exactly. And I keep crying every night. I try. I can't do it. <laughs> it is uh, when so many listeners have said in the past um, that they don't understand why we hate Pacey and they're frustrated with us, uh, the hosts of this show, that we didn't like Pacey. Uh, I can see that perspective now when Pacey yes. is so great with Andy and embraces her and hears her and understands what she's going through and wraps her in his big, strong, beautiful arms. It all makes sense. I'm like, oh, Pacey is the best. He is the best boy, at least in the show right Buck now. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. Now that Cliff's not here. And I'm just so glad that he didn't turn it into like a joke or a horny boy thing yeah. or like anything. He did. Uh, every right. beat mm-hmm. was correct. Yeah, he could have been like, yeah. Yeah, I wish my dad was gone. Mm. I wish I wish Dougie was dead. Yeah. Fucking, he puts a gun yeah. to my head. I wish he would die. Like, he could have done some dumb Pacey shit, but instead he's just like, I'm sorry, Andy. Yeah, I, I was really expecting to be like, wow, so the only thing that's going to get you into my arms is you weeping about your right. family or like some right. bad joke. I don't yeah. Know. I would have killed Jack if I knew it would have made you love me. Yeah. <laughs> I also uh, I liked hearing from Andy's perspective, like about her brother Jack. Like now we kind of know, yes. like why why she's so kind of stre- seems so stressed right now herself yeah. because we hear from her that Jack's head is in the clouds. He's not he's not confronting what happened, and so right. she's the one that's handling everything. The dad's not there, you know. And this is like the through line of like why she couldn't get the reading done right. last episode or two, you know. Mm-hmm. So that there's that and Pacey's learning this all of this about her so I thought that was a good a good scene to explain all of that yeah it was a good example of show don't well yeah. actually it was a little bit of was, tell don't show yeah. but it was a good In example a good of it yeah yeah. I mean right they're not going to show the accident it right? would have been really so, cool if they yeah. did a flashback yeah, and exactly. they were just like <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> <laughs> driving along oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, it'd been like the uh, 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 did anyone see Megan the robot girl uh, horror movie oh, I no. want to oh there's a pretty good family car uh, accident at the beginning of that one that's pretty funny uh, oh, I was just going to say, uh, no, it's gone. It's gone from my brain. Oh, I was going to say, I also liked that we had to see a picture of Tim. Yes. Mm-hmm. Also, that was a showdown, a little bit of a showdown. I was confused because I was like, daddy? <laughs> Tim did not look like he was older brother material. He looked like he was their dad. I thought that at first, but on second look, if you pause it, there's the dad, like the dad's in there. He's much older. And then Tim kind of, he doesn't, it looks like he's a, probably like, a college so age. Like the perspective student. of him being by an older he person. Is is like, okay. I can see it. He's taller. <laughs> oh, so maybe at the quick glance, it looked like he was like the old, I don't know. I mean, that's, I seems, think sounds ridiculous. Tim, but yeah. I think Tim is dead and dad. Tim, Tim, Tim and dad, same person. Tim and dad, dead. Tim and same dad, person. dead, same person. Tim and Dad did same person. It's an incestuous relationship. <laughs> Hashtag Tim and Dad same person freaks and creaks. Dead. Yeah. Um, side note. Dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so funny that we have now been inside Jack and Andy's house, never been inside Pacey's house. Never nope. was. Oh, wow. I know. And have met Andy's mom and... Yeah, and we don't know, know about Pacey's her family. whole family. Yeah. 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 Oh. They looked... And just to know, they looked, they looked like a nice... That pit, that was sad, like seeing that picture and oh, then yeah. learning about yeah. it. It's like, but that, that's another thing sad. too, where I'm like, yeah. I like I like these character beats. I like learning and like finding out like why and everything. But this 
situation seems so silly to me. The entire family was in the car. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely the story and, and was the, weird. Yeah. The brother dies and everyone else and is the, okay. Yeah. Everyone else is like unscathed. Yeah. I mean, like, did anyone else get hurt? Yeah. Like, any, any, yeah. I, I mean, maybe it's that's why I can't take it seriously, but I just have a really hard time actually engaging with the story because I'm just like, okay, what? <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. The way the, the way that uh, Andy <laughs> Andy explains, <laughs> sorry, the way that Andy explains it seems so funny because it's like <laughs> no, it, it makes me think sorry. of like like what? it's like it's like when you're okay, like if we if we were to write. Like, okay, let's, let's say we're all TV writers and our first job is like, you have to write for teenagers. It's like, fuck, like, I don't really remember, like, how do we talk? How do teenagers talk? And you see this all the time. Like people just do not know how to write for teens. And this feels like the best example of it because Andy is like, yeah, me and Jack were like fighting for Tim's attention. We always were. And it's like, like, and I'm like, were you toddlers? You were at, at the very least 14 years old. Yeah. Yeah. Like when this happened, you know, the rebellious teenager phase. Yeah. That's when I was really vying for my older. Were you fighting over a Teddy? No, I look at us. I feel like I kind of understood that because, like, it like sibling the way that like sibling relationships go, like whether it's like a childlike way of fighting for someone's relationship, or I mean, fighting for someone's attention, or later, like you're like whatever age you are, it's you're still like stuck in that like way of like true. uh, So I I guess I kind of understood what she was saying there. Where, where, but the whole the the whole story was so odd. Like, dad had too many martinis, but he wasn't driving, so mom was driving. But mom's a bad driver. She she just like didn't see that truck. <laughs> like listen to it a couple times just to figure out what she was saying. I yeah. I mean in my mind I just like imagine the dad being uh, the dad from the Wonder Years like this like oh, six yeah. foot five like <laughs> gruff big bear of a man driving just like pipe it down back there kid <laughs> and just like the kids are like uh, like with their big lollipops yeah. and their spinny caps hey look what and, I can do yeah. hey, hey hey Tim look what I can do shut up Tim, hey, Tim, Tim, hey Tim watch, watch but this the mom was oh, that's right the mom's driving <laughs> she like shut up yeah. <laughs> well this is the kind of it's like a student driver car where both there's a steering oh, wheel oh on both God. sides <laughs> And the dad is like pretending he can drive. Oh no! Okay, no, sorry. The, da- the wait, dad's wait, got no, a map. The dad the, has a map a open upside Tim, down. Yeah. Was it a truck? And Tim was like in the back, so he flew out. Yes, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm getting like, it. Why okay. did just? Yeah. So so they're they're fighting for Tim's attention. Everything's going off inside the cab, and Tim's okay, like, yeah. "Fuck it, I got to get out." So he opens the little like tiny window <laughs> to crawl into the bed. He gets back there at the second that mom didn't see that truck that she was driving, and she smacks into <laughs> a tree. Right. Oh yeah. And and then we totally. see ca- Tim get oh, catapulted man. out of the back. Oh my god, that made me think of that movie. Oh fuck! Oh, oh. what is it? Um, it's making fun of movies and it's scary movie. <laughs> is it? It might be scary movie where the the person is um, cut in half. Oh, scary movie three with Charlie Sheen. They're doing the sign scene. <laughs> yes. Oh right, yes. with the truck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's cut in half. Like I was going to say hereditary. I thought you were going to say hereditary, but of course you've never seen hereditary. So that's like, oh, that'd be great if we got like a hereditary sequence oh, well, and uh, yeah. Tim was sticking his head out the window because he couldn't breathe after eating those brownies with nuts in them. Okay, fans, I need you to do a smash cut. You need to do a fan cut where you take Jack or you take Andy telling Pacey about what happened and then you smash cut to that scene from hereditary, but you Photoshop Tim's head on the daughter's head 
And then you need to put those two together. And you also have to photoshoot. <laughs> you have to photoshop the rest of the family into the car. Yes. With <laughs> all them. of them. So instead of, uh, I forgot what the brother's name is in that Jack. movie. Jack. Oh, right. In Whatever. Hereditary. Yeah. yeah, you have to put uh, Andy's mom's face <laughs> on and, uh Get working. Get yeah. working, listeners. Andy's dad with the big upside down map in the fortunately you do have a couple months on this hiatus so oh my god you got time we'll release our next episode when you give us this fan cut (laughs) i want you to make an entire uh, like a fan-made version of hereditary but just with these characters instead please (laughs) the time to talk about the man in the moon and in the moon (laughs) this is so fucking stupid yeah, I just like, stupid. what are we doing here? All right, I have to just First play this all, clip. Let's just listen to how yeah. stupid this fucking dumbass sounds. <laughs> hey, look up in the sky. What do you see? The moon. I don't know, look, look, look at the moon. Now close your eyes. Now what do you see? What? What? Yeah, what? Um, Excuse me? Black. I see, I, yeah. see, <laughs> I see nothing. I think I, when we were watching this, I out loud said, I see maroon and tan. <laughs> I know what he's trying to say, right? But, but it was a weird. And also written. the timing is yeah. just completely off. It's not like you close your, he, she had her eyes closed for like five seconds. All right. Whatever she yeah. was seeing is no longer there. My friend, it's just, it's just, she's just seeing her fucking eyelids at yeah. this point. <laughs> so fucking stupid. I hated it. And it's not like he's trying to be romantic or something. I think, no, what is he doing? It's like, it would have been different if he's like, let's close our eyes and like, imagine, I don't know, but it's just like, look, look at it. Close yeah. your eyes. Hey. Okay. Okay. Now what do you see? Yeah, what don't do you see? look at it though. No, don't. <laughs> If he's such a movie obsessed dude, why not do like the, well, I'll pull down the moon for you, man. Yes. Like, do like yeah. a, it's a wonderful life. Please. Totally. Yeah, yeah. But instead close your eyes. I'm the man in the moon. Yeah. Are you going to kill you now? Like, <laughs> I wish that this? he was, I was, I wish that he was like, all right, close your eyes. Ding, ding. You know what that sound is? Every time you hear a bell ding, anger gets its wings, Mary. And she's like, what the <laughs> fuck, Dawson? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't Frank Capra direct It's a Wonderful Life? And Frank Capra is Grams's favorite filmmaker. Oh. And Steven Spielberg loves. And that was their connection. Oh, my God. Uh-oh. Dang. Too bad that didn't out. happen. Too bad. We should have written for the show. Anyone have anything about Grams? Oh, I, I did cap her line here that she says to, to, uh, to Jen about... I will not allow you to slide back into your reprehensible New York behavior. Not while you're under my care. You will not disrespect me. Wait a minute. That's no, not- you wait a minute, Jennifer. All right. A piece of shit. Yeah. Um, she's making it all about herself. Exactly. Like, like huh? you just saw a traumatic <laughs> yeah. event happen. And thankfully you were there, right? Because despite what Jen says here, where she's like, I had it under control. I don't think Jen had that under control. I think that maybe Vincent would have backed down. Yes, I don't think it would have ended like horribly, but like she definitely didn't have that under control. But then for Grams to be like, how dare you do this to me? My God loves me and not you, Jennifer. What's the old saying? It's like there's no hate like Christian love. Like her whole thing is just like, 
like this is what you did to yourself and you totally. and you deserve to feel bad because this is you know it's just like such a fucking piece of shit thing to do Very, you'll notice that this t- twice in this episode grams like tries to take religion out of it yes so too it's weird she because mm, earlier she I was like yeah. you should just come for the entertainment yeah. if not for the like when she's talking about bible study and then oh, yeah. here she's like i'm gonna take religion or god out of it yeah which I don't know. Uh, She's realizing Still, it's, it's not going to have like, an effect on Jen, yeah. which is we're seeing growth from Grams. Well, I don't know about that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, I I keep going back on and forth on like if this feels on brand for Grams. Like part of me isn't surprised that she reacted this way, but at the same time, I, like I feel like we've seen a lot of growth in their relationship. Yeah, and. I kind of would expect Grams to be more affectionate and supportive and like, what, what, what is it? This is Graham slipping back into her old ways. Ooh. Oh yeah. yeah. Totally. So that's a parallel. I mean, just like as Abby is projecting her hmm. bullshit onto Jen, Grams is projecting her bullshit onto Jen. We're seeing a parallel hmm. there too. So it's like, hmm. Grams has, has shown more growth with her relationship with Jen and basing it, not on just her relationship that she had with the grandfather and it's not about a religious thing. It's just them. But now she's slipping back into that like, oh, I'm the Christian matriarch that has to right. punish you with the angry fist of God. I don't know. The sad Virginia is just realizing like both Grams and Abby, the, like two only two people right now that she has kind yeah. of has in her life are just like, you know. Yeah, and she native. really pretty much burned that bridge with Joey. I mean, Dawson still cares for her in the way that it's like, he doesn't, you know, he's Mm -hmm. like, feel sorry for her, but like, she kind of doesn't have anybody right now, except for maybe Pacey. Like there's, you know, they still left things positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where is Jen going to go now? We got to talk about Jewel. Jewel. This is the first Jewel song I remember hearing. I loved this single. I loved the video as a child. Yeah. yeah. When this song started and I got so excited, you had no idea what it was. But then it got to the chorus where she talks about her tiny little hands. And that's what it it clicked. I was like, oh, tiny little hands. And I I still haven't watched it again, but I remember uh, being a little kiddo and it's before school and I'm watching the music videos on VH1 and it's it's Jewel walking through a trailer park. Now, that's the only thing I kind of remember from the music video. There's like a burning house and she's someone saving people from a burning house or something. That I do not remember. We should watch it. <laughs> but I think that's what happens. <laughs> I just remember those tiny little hands and I remember going to Borders Books Music Cafe and yes. seeing the top 10 sales of the week and Jewel was number one for quite a long time and I used to go in there and buy my CDs all the time and I was like, yes. well, who is this Jewel lady? It's the lady from the music video with the tiny little hands. Yeah. Yeah. And Dawson's Creek. And Dawson's Creek. I was really disappointed that we didn't hear Blue Dabadee because I know. I, I, there was just so much blue that it's I really wanted that song. In, really taking everything but. that I have to not <laughs> break into song every time you talk about the I blue know. outfits. <laughs> you imagine if they had replaced <laughs> the Jewel song with uh, <laughs> Eiffel 65. <laughs> Everyone's crying. I live in a blue house. I have that blue window. <laughs> <laughs> was that song in existence? Yes. it. Uh, I think it was released like couple months before this. Holy shit. It would have been so timely. Mm. Yeah. Oh my God. Then I bet listeners write us if during this episode you were singing in your head, I'm blue, (laughs) dabba dee dabba die by Eiffel 65. Or are you now singing, I'm good? I'm good. I don't even know. Viva Rexa. Yeah. (laughs) That music video is always on the MTV live channel. Fucking obnoxious. Yeah. It's so awful. All right. Well, I believe it's time to move on to our ratings. Who would like to go first? 
I will go first. I'm giving this a two. Okay, so besides the gen stuff, uh, I mean, this episode just feels insane. The character beats are appreciated. I like you know, what we're getting with the culmination of all these storylines and we're finally seeing consequences. Um, even though I said that last episode, this feels actually more consequential. Um, but that being said, it just feels written in a uh, shot incoherently. Uh, it's like hurricane levels bad for me. It just seems like there's like a really, really, really good stuff here. And then they tarnish it by thinking of like the weirdest ways to explore these themes and these beats. I don't know. Magic man, magic we have a magic man now who knows where this show can go from here this is only season two do you mean by season six people are getting superpowers what will happen i don't know but yeah uh but that being said uh it is okay to like bad stuff because i loved this episode this is probably my most enjoyable watching experience since hurricane um still doesn't mean that it is good so two out of five I'm giving this a two as well. <laughs> um, it was, it felt like a fever dream. Yeah. Was it supposed to be that weird? I don't know. Uh, I just felt like there were a lot of odd choices made in the writing. Um, why did Grams have to attack Jen for almost getting raped? Why? Like why could have been some, something else there. Yeah. Um, and that like Doss and Mitch Gale fiasco was a mess. Like that could have been written differently. You know, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of, I feel like it was a kind of, uh, there's a lot of big changes to come. So I can see why, like by, uh, by the end, you know, we see all these, everyone's kind of like realizing things about themselves and I'm looking forward to like what happens after this, but it was just a really weird way to go about it. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to give this a 2.75, I think two and a half, 2.75, 10.75. Final answer. Um, 10.75? Yeah. 2.75. Yeah, like uh, 2.75. You know, I I enjoyed this in the same way I enjoyed Hurricane, which I think I gave a very high rating because I think when Hurricane happened, you know, we were still early into the show where it was like, who knows what's going to happen. Now that we're established, this just felt so out of place with the season and the show. Um but I still really enjoyed it. And I really liked that there were, we were starting to see these consequences in some of these storylines like pay off. So yeah, kind of a mixed bag. And I'm going to go ahead and give this a 3.63 out of five. I love this episode. I thought it was amazing. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of problematic stuff as we have talked about, obviously, but much like Cody is saying, it's totally fine to love something bad. And I love this episode. I think, I kind of considered this episode much like I do the premiere episode of season two. It feels like they're trying new things and leaping forward in different ways, like that simulated one take with all of those act one scenes coming out of, you know, one central place and actually getting consequences for um, the plot points that we've had. I like that this is actually feeling a little bit more real than season one where we just had these things happen and then there'd be no resolution for it or no revisiting of it. There's also a lot of world building. We get to see Andy's house. We get to see, you know, a little bit of that. We get to kind of get a little bit more of what life in Cape side is like. And it just kind of, I don't know. I, you know, I, I can't help but go back to feeling like this episode just feels good to watch. It was fun. It was intriguing. It was interesting. And I wanted to see more. Um, there were plenty of things I didn't like, like we've talked about, but yeah. Um, also tons of paranormal stuff, ghosts, werewolves, 
vampires. Everybody is uh, talking about goat boy. Goat. Yeah, Pacey's a goat man. The magical hobo. I mean, it's just amazing. This episode is fantastic. So three point six three out of five. Stella, want to tell us what's next on Dawson's Creek? Next time, season two, episode six, we will be talking about the dance, where a homecoming dance brings Pacey and Andy together while driving Dawson and Joey apart. Oh, boy. Um, Do you think uh, Mitch and Gail dance at the dance? I bet they're chaperones. Mm. Both of them. Will it be and a, tomorrow. another sea-themed <laughs> dance? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm. Can't wait. Homecoming presented by the kelp. It's the soft opening. (laughs) Do you have anything that's not seafood, (laughs) Mitch? Absolutely not. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to our show and join us as we continue to set sail through Dawson's Creek one episode at a time. If you want more free content, please visit our website, which is freaksandcreeks.com. And you can find us on Instagram at freaksandcreekspod. And, you know, during this hiatus, please feel free to continue emailing us at showandfreaksandcreeks.com. If we get a million emails between now and the next episode, we'll release a bonus episode where we read all one million (laughs) emails. It's going to be a very long episode. It would be great if we actually got enough emails to just have an episode dedicated to the mailbag. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, we'd love so it. Great. So please write in with your thoughts if, if you have them. If you don't, just write in saying you don't have any thoughts. I'd love <laughs> to read that email too. That's pretty cool. But otherwise, until next time, bye-bye. Bye. bye. bye.